No, I, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even, I know he spoke English, but he wouldn't speak it to me. Well, We're that's a <sighs> parking guy in Montreal here. Wanted me to move. Uh, for you people just joining us, Dan Duran's in Montreal taking uh, his son to uh, seek his fame and fortune. Yeah, he's departing the, the nest <laughs> and creating his own. So I'm very proud of him, very excited for him. Mm-hmm. I set him up, help him set up his desk. That was the first thing he wanted to do. Second thing, we ordered a mattress online because he doesn't have one yet. And third thing, he had to go Zoom and do his first gig. He's got a paying, you know, art gig. So spent spent hours and hours on a, on a on a Zoom call meeting with people in Los Angeles. So it's fantastic. Great way to start the day. Wow. I feel all warm and fuzzy. Hmm. <laughs> so good. Yes. So you you no longer want to put together the uh, songs to kill yourself by that we were talking about <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way, when you were getting a coffee, I came up with a couple more. Oh, did you? Yeah. One is the loneliest number that... Uh, yeah. Lonely days, BG. And if you act now, you'll get the BGs. Lonely yeah. days. Yeah. We were talking about songs that, you know, you could probably put a playlist together of songs that are very, very depressing and make you feel down. Alone again, naturally. Oh, of course. Uh, you and me against the world. Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world. That one. In a little while from now. Do you, you know who sang that one? A little what? Uh, you and me against the world? Yeah. Helen Reddy. That's right. That's right. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> just checking up on you. You know, sometimes when I'm grilled, I, I wonder, do people forget what I do for a living? Um, you know, the weird thing about that Helen Reddy song is I don't think I ever worked to do. Did we ever work at a radio station that played it, Dan? Uh, I don't know about you. Mm. I, uh, did, I, did you? Lumby, myself, in Kingsbury, we worked at, mm. uh, in Lloyd Minster, and there was a country, big, there was a country station for a while, and they, yeah. then they went to the sort of M-O-R-E kind of thing. Yeah, we, we had to listen to that crap. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Guess Who or Burton Cummings, I'm Scared? No, that's, is that sad? I don't know. Well, he's scared. He's scared. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Don't, yeah. Now, there's another Guess Who song that's very sad, isn't there? Like, okay. Uh, but the guy's scared through the whole song. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but now, he's terrified. I know, but you're, are you opening it up to scared or just sad? Well, are you happy when you're scared? Well, I mean, lots of, uh, like, is this song a, this is a sad song. Hang on. I am sad. <laughs> can you guys hear yeah, this, by the way? Sad. These eyes. Yeah. yeah, you can hear that all right, can't you? Yeah, that's, it's too happy, I think, for, for a depression. Oh, right. You're looking for a depression. Yeah, but playlist. I'm scared isn't really a I'm sad. I'm talking more lyrics, right? Yeah, okay. Oh, I see. All right. But I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't get any sadder than alone again naturally. That is the word. That's the oh, worst that one. Is. That's, yeah. the, that's the king. Yeah. Yeah. Because that whole thing is about everyone in his family dying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's no good. Like when they were putting that bastard together, didn't they think like, oh, (laughs) I guess it was a hit, though. But at the time, it's like, really? Do we? Is this what we want to do? 
Uh, we, we can't waste too much time because Dan's got to get uh, Colton to uh, breakfast. Uh, you're and at my, a ho- my goodbye breakfast. Yeah. Not just a breakfast. Right, what's that oh, going to be like, crying, man? Crying, things yeah. gonna be crying, things going to be crying. Maybe you should play this song in the background. <laughs> as you're, as you're yeah. leaving Montreal and heading west. My son, my son is gone. I was thinking about uh, Colton yesterday when uh, I was golfing with Darren. Um, not only is it sad for his mom and dad that he's leaving the nest and moving to Montreal hours away, but he's leaving his dog as well, Clifford. That that can't be easy. Oh, yeah. He uh, he took a bunch of pictures. Oh. Oh, I'm going to start tearing up. Oh. And... Uh, Sweet boy. He, he took a bunch of pictures of, of Clifford and on the camera and has asked me to send them to, me, to him because he didn't get a chance to pull them off the car. He just wanted to get some good shots. For him. And he did say, he took, you know, that uh, that lookout at the top of the uh, of the hill, Fred? Yes, took, yes. There's Clifford up there and took the picture. Aw, see? This is the perfect soundtrack to this morning. My <laughs> <laughs> son, he's leaving home. Hmm. Only upside of him being separated from Clifford, now he won't have to pick up his shit off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> that goes to, mm. to someone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say that not only is he leaving the nest, but he's all his trailer park friends like you and, and Darren, he won't be seeing. You know, but that's right. a seasonal thing. You know, you never know. Well, he's not coming back next summer for no. trailer season. No. No, he's going to be seeking his fame and fortune. And uh, yeah. us old people will just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, my dad and his old friends. His old yeah. friends. Yeah, we're going to Montreal. Should we drop in on Colton? Oh, that. <laughs> That's right. He love, love that. that. Him and his three roommates. <laughs> hey, some old people are going to be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We better buy a couch. <clears throat> um, yeah. Well, listen, man. You know, we talked about this last week, and uh, I can tell you it's, you know, we all went through it. You're going through it now, all these stages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you from having both, you know, I said to you the other day, like, w- even though when we were talking about Melanie moving to Hamilton and Charlie moving to the city, that it wasn't that I couldn't go visit them. It was just that it's the not seeing them every day part. But uh, I will say this, and I'm sure Fred had, would agree you just kind of get used to it you know at some point it becomes like oh yeah you know they're not there every day but you know when you just have a different experience yeah sometimes the remedy as well is they go out and they become part of the world and they gain maybe a certain perspective on the world and it might not connect with yours, and they're around for a few days, and you think, oh, it'll be great, you know, I love having them, it'll be great when they leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Plus, you know, <clears throat> you know, when I become older and infirm, I'll be moving back in with him anyway, so. He'll only be having his dad back in as a roommate. Sure, you know, In older years. So yeah. you're, really, eh? Yeah, yeah. So that's part of your plan. Your <laughs> I was going to say that's your that's your, part of your that's your retirement plan. So that's your. That, I love that conversation with the Sherpa. Yeah, what's your plan, Dan? Well, I'm going to move back in with my son because he's going to be making gobs of money as a graphic artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you're not gonna, as, as the word artist goes, you're not going to make gobs of money. Well, he will in his uh, chosen profession. Um, you're staying in a Holiday Inn. I just was curious because I saw this thing the other day and, uh, and I thought this is actually pretty smart. Are you staying at a place that has continental breakfast? Like, do they offer like a, between six and nine, you come down and they've got that little sort of breakfast station or not? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I haven't really checked that out. I didn't even pay attention to that, but okay. Well, because I was at a place a couple weeks ago in Belleville. And it was a quality in, you know, in the same category as a holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, comfort, quality, all those ones. Yeah. And they all have the same standard breakfast. You know, the boiled eggs. They got some sausage-looking things. They got you make-your-own-pancake station. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, got some breads and fruits and, and cereal. But I saw this yesterday, and I thought, you know, that is really smart. All you have to do, if you want free breakfast... It's just pop in to any number of those around the city because no one ever asked me when I was having breakfast if I was a guest at the hotel. Oh, that's a great idea. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. You just wander into a quality inn, a comfort inn, a whatever sweets by whomever. Right. And you just go from one to one to have free. It's not the greatest breakfast, but it's free. <laughs> It's a way to get to get through the day. You know, now that we're heading into a worldwide global recession, we're all going to be penniless. This is the kind of things. <laughs> these are the kind of things you need to keep track of. Right. Keep your Costco membership up now that they're uh, sampling again. And, yeah. uh, and now you got a, a hotel tour. Excellent. Idea. Frederick, what do you think of that? I. It's very interesting. Of course, my wheels start, you know, moving. I'm thinking, boy, they, they you'd think they'd have some way of determining that or do they just not care you know i said you're right you're right it's like you could just sort of wander in and and then just start helping yourself or maybe maybe they know that happens but it's not significant enough to even worry about it You know, I, I was sitting in that breakfast area for, for like a good hour. I was reading and I kept going back and getting more coffee and such. And no one, I just said hi to a few people. But no, I think uh-huh. the trick is you got to wander around. You can't have a coat on. Uh-huh. And you can't look like you, you're a little scared or whatever. You sure. You look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. See, you you call those breakfast continental. I call them incontinence breakfast. Because <laughs> usually, like, the the eggs and everything are in, you know, the, the hash browns and sausages are just so greasy. It's yeah. like, what? The, why did I eat that? So now I try to stick to the bananas and yogurt. Or because often you're on the road, right? So you yeah. have an incontinence breakfast, and then it starts to bubble over <laughs> half, you know, a half an hour into your drive. Well, it's funny you say uh, that. This, the, the, the thing that I love yeah, the most there yeah. that is the worst for you are the sausage patties or the sausage yeah. links. They go right through. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So maybe that's how they catch you. Yeah. You know. Jesus Christ, I was holding my buck che- uh, butt cheeks together before I hit Pittsburgh. <laughs> in the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> with other people stop stop yeah <laughs> are you are you trying to segue into the shit story is that is that what that is no no i don't need to do that we have no shortage of those no before the show fred told me that our good friend neil morrison brother bill from the old yeah. uh cfny days <laughs> sent uh sent fred a an email saying, hey, I found some funny shit stories. I know you guys like those. And I'm like, well, that's, I guess that's what people think of. Hey, I got a great shit story. 
<laughs> Who'd like that? This one, what's it called? The uh, the six worst. This is a UK thing. It's the six worst possible places to be caught needing a shit. Yeah. It says, having a massive dump in the morning is a wonderful experience, but there are situations where getting caught short is your worst nightmare. Avoid these at all costs. <laughs> Dan, should we run them down? <laughs> yes. Number six. <laughs> Number six. Someplace called a Weatherspoons. I'm not sure. This is a UK thing, so I don't know what that is. A Weatherspoon. Um, maybe it's a restaurant. Oh. Because uh, it says... Uh, uh, emptier bowels in a local spoons requires considerable advanced planning up the flight up flights of stairs, blah, blah, blah. So let's just skip that. Number five, Fred. Well, the one I'm reading says on a train. Yes. Which I understand that can be, you know, on a train. I mean, it depends on the type of train on a go train. You're in trouble. There's no bathrooms on a go no. train, is there? Mm hmm. So if you're caught between stops, like, what do you do? Just awful. <laughs> And mm. this one, too, at a posh dinner party. Wait, Dan's calling out number four. Number oh, okay, four. We're doing a full bit now. Number four. At a posh dinner party. Right. Well, I mean, that could apply. By the way, get back to the train thing. I don't like to go on a plane. I find no, that no, uncomfortable. No. no, absolutely. I will if I have to. Uh, but especially it, if there's a little turbulence and stuff like that, and your ass is moving around on the... On the seat cover. No, no, no. If I trust that blue liquid in there. Um, the posh dinner party. I think that would just be at somebody else's house. You know, I'm always a little nervous because, you know, what if it's an episode? What if it's not just like, you know, you know, what if it has to be uh, double flushed or what if I have, you know, what if I paint the bowl, as the kids like to say? <laughs> or you've got to real clean clean up <clears throat> you really got to go bad so you got to case the joint is there a bathroom here that's out of the way yeah that's way out of the way if i have a, a real episode here it's not gonna <laughs> linger <laughs> so all of a sudden the host can't find you they come up to the you know their bedroom and you're like in there on suite hi uh dan then, number you look, then you look out the front windows and you think oh like is there a restaurant around where i could whip over to a restaurant <laughs> or a mcdonald's or something <laughs> remember it's remember you and i both at uh on Dundas, remember? We were on the 16th floor. I'd go to the 15th to have a dinner. Oh, yeah. Because I just didn't want to be in there and have co-workers smelling my shit air <laughs> or hearing anything. Although, you know, if you're at a posh dinner party, I, I'm pretty sure you don't look out and see a McDonald's. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. You then know. a Chipotle, then. I, whatever. Um, okay, Dan, number, number three. three. Number three. Uh, Fred? In an important Zoom meeting. Yeah. See, that it all depends, too, because this is an important Zoom meeting, but I, if I had to go, I'd tell you and just yeah. get up and go, right? Yeah. So. I don't like this one. This one seems like, I mean, if you were in a Zoom meeting, all you have to say is, listen, I got to go get something or the right. kids are doing. So I'll call you. Let me, let me just go and come back. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, Dan. Number two. At the swimming baths. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just like that. That's an English thing. I guess it just means at a swimming pool. Yeah. I number one. Uh, the number, number one. Uh, one. Freddie, the number one worst place, according to this article that Brother Bill sent us. On a long cycle ride. But this is really losing steam, right? Because yeah. what's the big deal? Long cycle ride. You just pull over, go in the woods, wipe your ass with a leaf, and you're on your way. 
I don't yeah, theoretically, that. that's now. I've never wiped my ass with a leaf. You know, I've I've been on the golf course a couple times where I thought, oh, if I have to go here, like I had an episode. Mm-hmm. I had uh, my stomach was really bugging me in Calgary, actually playing with my brother, my brothers. Uh, we went out and surprised David, and and at one point I was a uh, having a really like some crampiness. And I said to uh, David, I said, where's the, is there a washroom in a hole here? Like we're on the fifth or sixth hole. And he said, yeah, it's coming up. And I thought, okay, I may not make it, but if I have to go, I'm going to wipe my butt with the towel. Mm-hmm. Like I have a golf towel. Have you ever, either of you ever wiped your butt with leaves or, you know, some grass? Yeah, I think so. Seriously? Like a handful of leaves. Yeah, just to, you know, get the excess off and then, you know, and then bolt to wherever you can to finish it up or something. Okay. There's been, there's been some situations. Long time ago, though. It had mm-hmm. to, you know, same kind of thing. But, you know, uh, the, the, if you do do that, if that's your solution is wiping with a leaf there, but you get back on your bike. I mean, you know, those bike seats are kind of. You know, they push themselves up. There's going to be some residue. You can't get all, everything with a leaf. The no, you can't. Absorb no, 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 no. So you're going to, you know, you're going to be pedaling back and forth and it's going to be, you know, a little bit, you know, and, squishy, squishy. Yeah. And so. residue, residue can be quite the irritant to your ring, as you know. Because <laughs> if people don't wipe properly, yeah. you can, it can irritate your ring. And that's how that just leads to a whole other set of problems. Yeah. Eh? Then you got to look for cream and all that stuff. Penance and lotion. <laughs> Jesus. This is, this, is the, <laughs> this is how we're starting this fucking show. <laughs> right. Fucking residue and leaves up here. <laughs> like, you know, are we not, have, we uh, not, have we not progressed past this? Yeah. Oh, you know, just, me, why were you late? Yeah, Howard. You know what? <laughs> what? Just well, just when we think we're over it, we no, seem to slip backwards. I know. Maybe we. <laughs> maybe I don't maybe know. we need help. Maybe we need a consultant. I'm personally embarrassed. Let's let's hire a consultant. Let's hire a podcast over. consultant. That's a weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know one. Oh, yeah, I know several. Oh, I know half a dozen. They've all, hmm. like, all they've, they're springing up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, yeah, you guys started to lose me when you were talking about residue on your grass-fed assholes. <laughs> um, okay, well, listen, Dan, I don't want to keep you any longer. It's a very significant morning. There's got to be a morning after. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will... Uh... I'll try and keep it. Uh, well, send me that list then, and I'll play it on my way back to Toronto. Sad songs to leave your son by? Yeah. That list? Yeah. Well, Dan, look at it this way. You've always got to look at the positive side. Okay. This is what I tell Howard all the time. He's down, down, down. I say, Howard, more often you have to look at the positive side mm-hmm. of things. He's, yeah. This is a conversation we have. <laughs> That's right. He's very. <laughs> he's my life consultant. That's who he is. Life Just coaching. Think. <clears throat> Just think. Now you can look forward to frequent wonderful trips to montreal a fun city mm-hmm, great right. food mm-hmm. in those times when you see your son you'll really in, really enjoy and appreciate it because you haven't seen him for a while in between precious moments away to away yeah. these it's magic amazing. moments <laughs> but you know what Dan- daniel here's the yeah. thing that you shouldn't avoid is that a lot of people do this but don't avoid 
And I know you won't because you're an emotional, sweet cupcake of a man. Uh, yeah, let's like uh, feel what you feel, brother. Because uh, it is uh, is definitely something that every parent goes through. And, uh, you know, let's see, you're going to leave Montreal. You'll be crying probably all the way to Belleville. After that, <laughs> after that, you know, let it go, Dan. <laughs> right. Push it down. Get some Don't alcohol. Okay. Drink your way through it. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Um, all right. We'll give Colton our very best, and uh, yes. we will. Uh, you don't. Are you going to send me an extra? You don't have to. I mean, I can. I can take I, I, it. To it's there. ready to go. If I can get it to you, I will. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, about just it. having uh, right. connectivity issues with the uh, well, hotel Wi-Fi. So. Listen, man. We're all thinking about you. Thoughts and prayers, Dan. Oh, Thoughts great. and prayers. Mm-hmm. Here I we go. All of that. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in Trendy, Toronto and beautiful Brampton and is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy and HealthGage. And now here are two men who for fall have settled into their comfy chairs in front of their big screen sports channels and started the countdown clocks to their flights to warmer weather. It's Humble and Fred. Yeah, man. Let's stand around. That is, that is uh, who that is, and uh, we're pleased to have you along with us. We're going to get some uh, counseling, actually, from our good friend Rabbi Ralph Ben Mergi will be with us uh, shortly. A lot of questions about uh, what's going on lately in the world of anti-Semitism. As well, uh, we will uh, talk to Ralph about the political scene here in Canada, because there is one. And uh, I'm not sure if you saw this statement from the Alberta, new Alberta premier, but I'll be uh, bringing that up with Ralph in a few minutes time. Just another little, pardon me, sir. What was that? Well, the statement, I'll I'll save it, but it's just what it is, is another kind of tick or whatever, like another box ticked. In the growing, I don't know, even, in, I don't, you know, what, when I was going to say the rise of the right, but here in Canada, you know, it's Alberta sort of solidifying its position as the MAGA province, if you can call, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and, and this new premier is full on going full in that direction. It's almost like you're listening to, uh, you know, one of those. You know, nitwits running for governor, you know, Carrie Lake or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very interesting in terms of what she says. And uh, I want to get your take on it, obviously, and uh, Ralphie's. You know, what concerns me, disturbs me. I mean, everybody's got an opinion and everybody looks at the world in a different way and thinks where they live should be this way or that way. The world is just becoming such a smaller place. Why can't we just all accept that? We're really one. You know what I mean? We're just one. We're the human race on this little ball. Yeah. And what is polarization? What is fragmentation? What is separation? Where? How did, where what's that going to lead to? And of course, along the way, there's all sorts of challenges to get everybody to think as one. But like, I, I just don't I don't see what the end game is with that attitude. Um. You know, a while back, I was joking with you and Dan about uh, 
you know, the only thing that can save us all now is alien intervention. And I say it facetiously, but one of the reasons, you know, the silly point I was trying to make is that there there needs to be a global galvanization of what you just said. A global, because mm-hmm. sometimes, occasionally, we come together as a world. Very, very yeah. rarely. And it's one of right. the things I said to you recently. One of the things about watching that whatever that craft was that crashed into the asteroid. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying everyone on the Earth was watching it, but a lot of people on the planet were aware of it. And there aren't very many things that do that to us as a human race anymore. And, and you know, and so if aliens came here, we would all have to accept that we're no longer Americans or Russians mm-hmm. or whatever. We'd have to say, oh, we're now humans and we've got this issue to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's a bit of, you know, science fiction, but to your point, why aren't we more aware of the fact that we have this planet and whether it's Saudi Arabia cutting off oil production or the Mm -hmm. Russians, you know, decimating another human race? I mean, it's insane, really. Yeah, I know. And not to get too deep into it, we had, uh, you know, well, enjoying a beer on the 19th hole yesterday. Yeah, I wanted to talk about your golf yesterday. You must have we, really enjoyed we, it. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, we had, uh, you know, that conversation about, uh, you know, primal instincts. It's just, you know, our own, uh, you know, the first basic human instinct is mine. You know, look, af- look after you, like... You know, when it goes back to the cavemen or whatever, you know, food for me today. I need that today to survive. It's all about survival. And the thing is, in some situations that they can't, you know, you, you should let go of it, but you can't. It's you got to start thinking sharing, right? For the betterment of all and for a better world. And because what's the alternative? If it's mine, 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 this whole survival, that's where the conflict yeah. Well, it's from. interesting you brought that up because I think it's actually the inverse. I think that in, that our human instinct, our primal instinct was to, you know, to be in tribes and villages for our mutual survival. And then as time as uh, the millennia has gone by, human beings mm-hmm. needed needed less of each other to survive. Because at one time, that's why we had big extended families and, you know, 10 children and you know, because you needed to create your own tribe now, because we're so cut off from the rest of humanity, if we want, we don't think as much of ourselves in a global community. I think that we once did. I think that instinct you just described is very modern. The selfishness of the selfishness of humans. No, well, anyway, I was talking. What were you talking about? Just back, you know, when People needed to get up in the morning and they had to survive just by catching their food and catch, you know, it's that was the, you know, survival. Sure. Um, But again, I mean, there's a million ways to look at it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it just seems, you know, you're right. Maybe it's relatively new, whatever. But it just seems this polarization is based on. You know, the attitude of these people is they think they're not going to survive or something. They're not going to their, you know, I guess it's cultures, it's race, it's 
economics. Well, it's also the global. It's all about, like, you know, it's now all about me and, I guess, my group or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a thousand years ago, what people did in Asia and people Mm -hmm. did in the Middle East and people did in Africa didn't affect Mm -hmm. us because it was so Mm -hmm. far away. And what they did with the environment had no effect on the farmer in Western Canada, whatever the equivalent of that would be. But we're so interconnected now that a decision made in the Middle East about oil can mm-hmm. affect your portfolio in Toronto. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what's also given a rise to where we're at today, which is because of our connectivity, you know, we do need each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a way we've never needed each other before. The problem is, as you've pointed out, that we don't think that way. We just think me, mine, my neighborhood, my house, mm-hmm. my... You know, that's the problem with the right wing around the planet, like this guy in Colombia that is probably going to get in the, the new uh, the uh, new president of Italy, the now the Alberta premier, the new prime minister of the UK. It's all kind of going that way. No, I know it's brutal. And again, you know, I heard somebody talking about this the other day, just to even what's happening to the economy right now. It just how we're so tied to social media and misinformation you know a big part of what we're going through economically right now is because everything you know again you go on social media you read this you read that about all oh, the world's coming apart you know the economy's going to fall off the fucking edge of the world or whatever however you want to put it and people get freaked out mm-hmm. 30 years ago there's a lot of that information you wouldn't go and the you know, the economy and uh, you know the uh you know, we just, things just happen. You know, there's cycles. And now we reach a cycle, and there's a, such a oh, huge overreaction. Nobody wants to spend any money right now, and everybody's afraid they're going to lose their house because they're getting all this information that years ago they wouldn't have got. The cycle would have just happened. Mm-hmm. We have this overreaction to everything. And it goes to what you say, too. All that shit being spewed by that person in Alberta. The people are reading that in a, on a daily basis, and it's skewed in such a way that if you're a bit twisted and you're selfish and you're racist, you love it. You're eating it up. Where would you have got that 30 years ago? You know? Yeah. Um, no, that, again, that goes to my point about the connectivity of the planet. You know, yeah. <clears throat> you know forget, forget a thousand years ago, 30 years ago, you know, you, you and I even though we were doing a job in the media 30 years ago, you know, we were really only aware of whatever we could have in a newspaper or you'd watch the television or listen to radio. That was literally, you know, I remember you and I, we've sort of mentioned this about the old studio at CFNY. If you saw a picture of Fred and I at the uh, station in Brampton or even uh, in Toronto, we were surrounded by little clips of newspapers that we had razor bladed out of the paper. That was how we did show prep where, you know, now it's the equivalent. I've got like 12 tabs open my on my computer about things I want to bring up on the show. But the whole world's information is available to us. And the problem is it it really gets like it's you and I have always been and are we're a little we're information junkies because it's how we grew up. It's, you know. It's what we needed to do right? yeah. for our job. So 
maybe we're a little bit different, but the easiest thing for most people is just, you know, in their phone and scroll through stuff. Half the time, people have no idea with what they're, and again, this is nothing new. We've said it a million times. What they're reading is actually true or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, and I always bring up Fox News, but anyway, even if you get on a Facebook thing or a Twitter feed that seems to lean to the right, yeah, they're predicting all sorts of economic doom right now because they think it will hurt Joe Biden. That's right. If they throw that stuff out there. Half of it's not even true. Half of it may never happen. But that's the agenda now. Throw whatever you can out there to make him look bad. And it can work the other way as well. I'm not just I'm not saying this is a left right thing. I mean, that's the way it works now. You just but keep I, all this bullshit out there to uh, to to screw to try and fuck the other guy. And I and I think what you're saying, uh, and we've had this conversation where even if it they're they're doing that, mm-hmm. even if it's not good for the the total group, the the group, the thinking globally, it's it's no. not good. No, um, that's the other thing about the age of information or this age of information that we're currently living in. It it, it was supposed to be this wonderful way that. The whole world could seem smaller because we could be part of each other's lives. But the problem is none of us ever considered the age of disinformation. We never considered that. No. To what you just said, you know, I, we, we have such a stream of, of it's like a fire hose of information. But we never considered that some of it would be so biased and skewed yet appear to be um legitimate because it's part of the same stream you know i said this joke a few years ago now i can't remember it um old guy moment joe biden yeah i just had one there too was uh, i was gonna make a great point about the but 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 my point really is when all of this began the internet began i never considered no that we were going to be having to deal with an element of information that would be so skewed that, but it appears to be the same as the rest of it. It's just, I never thought of it. Now, looking back, I mean, we were naive not to. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, and, you know, like the anti-vax movement, it's, that might be the worst right now. It's just people against the vaccine. They'll just go out there and hunt down anything that's anti-vax and just throw it up there. And then as you know, and then you read what the source is and then you click through the source and they and they might, you know, name some doctor. And then you click on the doctor to see what he's all about. And you see it's a whack job. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because the headline in the story, it it supports my argument. So I'm going to throw it out there, you know, about death and heart problems and young people dying on and on and on and on. And again, I have enough faith in our society. If that was actually a problem, it would be addressed. It would be on the real news. Who's who's covering up this death and for what reason? Come on. And, you know, we've done this bit about how the only people that seem to know anyone that's died are anti-vaxxers. Like, that's the problem. If you're an anti-vaxxer, you you know, you know a ton of people that died. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, this Alberta thing, we should get to some... uh, we should take care of some of our fine people here in a second. But, but, right. but that, let me just ask you. Oh, I was going to say ahead. that Alberta premier, it's what she says literally in one of her first statements is about the anti-vax is about the unvaccinated. And it's incredible. It's really incredible what she says. And I'm oh, teasing I, it. I'm teasing it. No, I read that. I know what she said. Oh, yeah, it's how, does that, how does that help? OK, well, let's just save it for Ben Murgy. OK, 
quickly though, I want to ask you because I asked this question the other day with my kids, and the internet is a wonderful tool. There's absolutely no question about it. It's a wonderful tool that you know has the potential, obviously, to help the world in so many ways. But as we sit right now, what would you say the ratio is of good to bad with the internet? You know, I, I would say it still skews good over bad, I think. Because if you think what the total, I know, I know you probably, you know, that probably wasn't your answer. No. But, I, but if you think about the internet, you, you, like, it's mm-hmm. not just social media. The internet is the fact that I can stream a thousand movies, that I can stream a billion songs, that mm-hmm. I can keep in touch with people around the planet, that I can have a, a, a face-to-face meeting with our friend Bill in Mexico. You know, that's right. the internet to me. Oh, no, no, no. And you're right. And those are all the wonderful things. But if you said to me, what's the if you asked if you asked a more specific question, what's uh, social media? I would say it's more bad than right. good. But I'm talking about the whole pot and all those things you talk about are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But a lot of the problems we have nowadays, the polarization, the separation, the hate that's out there is through the Internet, through social media. So I, I see what you're saying. Right. Um, but it's it's just sad. From a social media standpoint, what has happened? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, again, could that's something when the because you and I were doing a radio show mm-hmm. when. Do you think we had a computer in our studio in Brampton? That would be 1989. I don't think I had one, but you, and, and I've mentioned you were type. You were still typing your sports on a typewriter. And I, right behind me, I had the DOS system, right. but I was okay. slow because I didn't like the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And then I would write a sports cast, and then I was supposed to print it. So for a few months, it was there, and I just had my old manual typewriter. Right. I was, I was a slow adopt adapter or adapter. So I had a personal computer in those days, a big DOS, my you know Microsoft DOS. But I, by the time you and I moved to Toronto at One Dundas, that was ninety five. We had computers in the studio. By the time we were late nineties, we were using computers on the show. At that time, it seemed so amazing uh, for all those things I just said. We could never have imagined what social media has become, which is what I described, which is a biased based, mm-hmm. pretty, uh, again, biased to whatever your bias is. But mm-hmm. no bias is good if you never hear the other side. It's what we say about mm-hmm. Fox versus CNN. Right. Speaking of which, uh, Jake Tapper debuted his new show at 9 o'clock last night, and he did an interview with Joe Biden. Man, not good. Not good. From what standpoint? And and you know, Biden has all these accomplishments and everything, but you don't want to put that man in that position now, because it's just, it's ammunition for the other side. No, he, he seems like a doddering old grandpa. And it, looks like, yeah. it looks like he's about to fall asleep, and he it's like he loses his train of thought, and that's a concern. Yeah, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that's not the guy. It's unfortunate that they don't have somebody that I can think of that can be sort of the heir apparent. I don't think it's Kamala Harris. No. 
Unfortunately, and the bright the, the Republicans have a lot of people on their side, a lot of people mm-hmm. waiting to step in. If Donald Trump isn't the guy, a lot of people that are ready to kind of DeSantis and all these other uh, Abbott and Ted Cruz, they're all running for president. Another indication of where we're at. So he interviews Biden before that or after that. I can't remember. He, what's his name? Daryl Johnson, The Rock. Yes. Dwayne Ross. Dwayne Johnson. Oh, Dwayne. Yeah. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. Um, the Rock. And one of the main lines of questioning was, are you going to run for president? No, I saw that, yeah. And for, and for year, you know, years ago, that would have been, ah, yeah, that guy, come on, the rock running <laughs> yeah. for president, that, that, that's goofy. But after Trump, it's like you sit there and you listen, and, you, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, obviously, this guy's a Democrat. He seems to be like a normal functioning person, like, hey, maybe that. Maybe that maybe that's a good idea. Yeah, why not the rock? <laughs> why not the rock? <laughs> Seriously, if if Arnold Schwarzenegger can be governor of California, which is the size of Canada, it's this country. It's like its own country. Why not the rock? I saw that this morning on my news feeds. <laughs> on my news feeds. Uh listen, Freddie, I don't want to interrupt this flow because no, it's going so well. Uh, but let's uh, take a second here and talk about our fine friends who do these nice things. Like the retirement Sherpa. Oh, no, he's on today. He's he on. on. He's in just minutes from now. Oh, that's right. The Sherpa, retirement Sherpa, Sherpa. That will Sherpa. be his bit. That will be his thing. So let's talk about Bodog. Mm-hmm. The Maple Leafs tonight, their season opener in Montreal against the Canadian uh, the Maple Leafs, a puck and a half favorite, uh, minus 270 on that game. So, uh, yeah, they expect the Toronto Maple Leaf to beat the Montreal Canadiens in the season opener. Of course, this is just one of many games, one of many events that you can play at Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Yeah, why, why do we have to play the Montreal Canadiens first every goddamn year? Why is that? Is that too- I think they're trying to build in a tradition thing. We usually end with them, too. Yeah. Yeah, the world. Around the world, uh, 20 million customers over the last 25 years have been using GoDaddy when it comes to getting a domain, creating a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. If you've been thinking about like a side hustle, maybe you want to start your own you know, online business, GoDaddy can do it. You can find your domain, as I said, and bring your ideas to life with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. They're here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy and try it out. No credit cards even required. Come on. Visit GoDaddy.ca and learn more. Um, So you were, uh, just before Ralph uh, signs in here, yesterday was... I don't even... I mean, I've mentioned this a couple times. Sometimes the weather in September and October... You know, before it's you know turns to shit in November. Around here is some of the nicest weather we get in a year. And yesterday, I was thinking about you because you know I I golf a little bit more than you, <laughs> so I was obviously playing yesterday. But at some point, I was like, "Oh yeah, Freddie's out." And uh, we, uh, Mike Rupert, we're all walking yesterday, and uh, 
you know, started off, I had a couple of layers on it, a long sleeve thing and a sweater. And then within a couple of hours, I was sweating, man. It was, it was hot yesterday. It was 25 degrees yesterday here. It, did it get to 20? It got, when I got in my car, it was like <clears throat> 24, 25. I mean, maybe right. the official forecast said 20, but. Right. That was, were, yeah. you, were you wearing shorts yesterday? Oh, I, I was the only one in the group wearing shorts, and they were sort of kidding me going shorts. I said, yeah, I didn't even think for one second not to wear shorts. I looked sunny and 20, 21 degrees when we were going to be playing. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Well, I, I made a mistake because I saw, because I had a little more experience. I know sometimes it says 20, but you know, the wind makes it feel a little bit cooler and I'm old and I get cold. <clears throat> but I, I was, I was, t- I, I, I said to there was one guy in our group that was wearing shorts, my buddy Z. And I said, man, you're the smartest one here because I was just, it, it was so warm. I like, but just such a beautiful day. Yeah. And I started with a, like a pullover and I, I think the second hole I took it off. Yeah. And then, you know, using sunscreen, of course, because I yes, imagine the UV yes. was high yesterday. Very high. Uh, yeah. So it was a wonderful day, and I was at the Caledon Golf and Country Club, and the scenery there is just spectacular with the leaves changing. <laughs> like, Well, you'd see that on the escarpment, too. Yeah, right? where I was playing at the base of the escarpment. Oh, my goodness. Now, I wear sunglasses now, and they're polarized. So, you know, the, the colors are spectacular to the mm-hmm. naked eye. But I'm telling you, put your sunglasses on, and it bring it, it does the polarization mm-hmm. brings something out in the colors. Because I'm colorblind, but it was like freaky mm-hmm. how beautiful it was, and it gives you a sense that you know what, it's not a bad place. This Earth of ours. No, and you know what, Howard, not to get too uh, deep or uh, whatever, but. When I looked upon the escarpment yesterday and saw those beautiful colors in the blue sky and everything, I couldn't help but think of, you know, this uh, Biden, the Armageddon talk and one nuclear weapon could lead to another. And I, honestly, that was through my mind that I'm thinking, who'd want to destroy this? Like, what? Like, you know, one guy, one prior, just a handful of people can tr- ultimately can control all this for all of us. That's right. And then I try to quickly push it out of my mind because I don't want to think that way. But how do you not when it's in the news? And then it gets back to social media. Am I overthinking this? Because everywhere you look now, people want to be dramatic so they can attack the other side. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you one person who does know. Yeah. I'll tell you who knows. (laughs) Uh, Please welcome back. It's a dreidel. He's got a dreidel. And Canadal, he's got some Kreplach and some Briss. I'm just going to start naming random Hebrew things. He's got some Bar Mitzvah. Uh, welcome back to our program. Uh, Ralph Ben Mergy, host of Not That Kind of Rabbi. He is our spiritual leader and guide. And uh, ever since we had our humble Fred Ralph Summit years ago, we've just, uh, see, we've all... We've all made amends, and we're all hanging out again. And uh, Ralph, it's always good to uh, be with you. Fred and I never had a problem. I swear to <laughs> I'm sure no one has a problem with Fred. He's an angel. It's always me. It's always been me. Yeah, right. Everyone's yeah. got a problem with me. Once you get past Fred, you got to deal with me. I'm like I'm like Luca. I'm like Luca Brazzi. <laughs> I was just thinking of Luca Brazzi yesterday. Luca Brazzi. That's who you got to deal with. Um, listen, man, I uh, want to get right to it. I was uh, like a lot of uh, people. First of all, how are you? 
I'm fine. Thank Fantastic. you. I hope you guys are well. Happy uh, New Year. I uh, hope. Sukkot. Uh, it's Sukkot. Oh, it is. It's is, it Sukkot. It's Sukkot already. I mean, I. It is the Harvest Festival where you yeah. put up a temporary lean to, as it were, and commune with nature at the end of the harvest season. Fantastic. It's, uh, Jewish Thanksgiving, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in Moose Jaw, my mom and dad, you know, we're fairly observant of the big ones. You know, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Passover. I don't think I was ever at a, a Sukkot get together i don't think we did that but i was uh once the i got synagogue didn't have a sukkah? i don't think so oh wow they usually every synagogue has a sukkah well maybe they did maybe we decorated maybe you know. were just a wall i was a moose joe um but anyways uh you know we've had this conversation about anti-semitism and how for some reason there's an allowable amount of it and people don't get quite as up in arms about it when you when you compare it to others, and, and, and again, sometimes I think people are surprised to find out that anti-Semitism is the leading hate crime against a, 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 an, um, you know, a section of people. You know what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> so what's your reaction when you read uh, Kanye West saying, I'm uh, going to go death con three on the Jews? How well, does that, uh, you know, what yeah. he said was, I'm a bit sleepy tonight. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda. Right. So I think there's two things that are played at the same time, which is why we don't find that people run to the defense of Jews when an anti-Semitic thing is said. Uh, one is uh, they are the other, always the other. The Jewish uh, people are always the other. Uh, but also that Jews are just fine. They, they're rich. They do whatever they want. So what do I care? Like, they're not downtrodden. They can handle it. Uh, so there's that that goes on. Um, and then this other thing that came up with Kanye West, uh, who has 30 million followers, was, uh, oh, he's just mentally ill. And... You know, uh, so that excuses him from responsibility for what he said. He doesn't know what he's saying. So all those things are there. Sarah Silverman was very vocal in saying, why is it only Jews are running to the defense of Jews here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's because people in, in modern society believe that uh, the Jewish people uh, are privileged and, uh, you know, too bad, so sad. And conversely, when they think of uh, African-American or African-Canadians, they think that they're not privileged. Uh, that doesn't mean that they care more about them, but they've, you know, they've put everybody into categories. Of, and then after that, it's who's worthy of, of defense. And I would say that people do not defend African-American or African-Canadian people. They do not defend uh, uh, uh Muslims in in this uh, culture, Uh, you know, there's a guy running for uh, city council in Hamilton, uh, Kojo Dante, a great guy, uh, black guy. And he had a a poster uh, at a bus shelter for his uh, run at city council. And these uh, people put up these uh, white lives first stickers over Mm -hmm. the over the face of the poster. Mm -hmm. Um, This is. uh, you know, this is extremely dangerous territory. I mean, you've got 
Freedom Convoy, we were supposed to ignore the Nazi flags. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got people yelling uh, horrible racial, uh, not even racial, just uh, anti-Semitic uh, things at, at people. Uh, we're in a very troubled time. Like, you know, Fred was just saying, he's about to play golf and he's thinking of the nuclear holocaust. You know, and I was thinking, as you guys were talking about how beautiful everything is, about the fact that we live in a society that actually doesn't see any of that as in, in any other terms than how do you, I take it? How do I use it? How do I privatize it? How do I make it mine? And we are destroying the planet. You don't need a nuclear weapon for this. Mm-hmm. We're deep into a climate crisis. And people are just like, no, anyway, uh, as long as they think I've got what I need and maybe I can get more, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I know. It's, uh, it is... It, it... It is frightening. And then Howard's going to talk about, you know, this premier out west, too. It's like they just keep adding fuel to this fire rather than at what point do we stop down and we go, wait a minute, guys, we're over the line here. Like for the betterment of all, let's reel this in a bit. But obviously, with this current movement, and you mentioned the truckers, too, I, get, I have no time for anybody that wants to defend those people on any level. And we know who we're talking about, the ones that stayed there for weeks. People, there's actually defend that. And now what's going on in Alberta, it's this is Canada. And we always look to the states as where all the shit and the trouble comes from. No, it's happening here. Mm-hmm. At what point do we just stop down and say, we're too close to this line? Like what you just said about Hamilton, just put uh, like a pit in my stomach. That's not us. Yes, I it guess is. it is. I guess it is, isn't it? I mean, it's us afraid. You know, the more afraid Mm. people get, especially people who had um, privilege, uh, in other words, white people in North America. Yeah. um, They they believe that they've lost their privilege, that they don't have a future they can look at and think, yeah, this is going to be great. My kids are going to get a house. It's all going to be great. So you look for simple answers to complex systemic problems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you look for the people who will reassure you. And you have people like Pierre Polyev. You know, who who are literally misleading people for the sake of power. And Daniel Smith in Alberta is uh, the ultimate in simplistic answers to complex problems. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get to her in a second. I want to get back to uh, and you've explained this uh, more than once, uh, reminding us of the uh, the phrase, the others. But, you know, a few years ago, I, I was equating Trump sort of facetiously at the time to Hitler and one of my buddies kind of called me out on it and we had this debate and I said okay but some of the Hitler playbook is being enacted and this is three or four years ago but let's uh, fast forward to nowadays times and by the way the phrase anti-semitism is rooted in Nazi Germany you know that's a that was something created by the Germans to to put a specific you know, name to what they were doing. But it's not just the rise of anti-Semitism and the rise of the culture wars. But what is your take on the global situation? You mentioned Putin and the war in Ukraine. Like, we really are living in, like, it's like 1930s all over again. Not only economically, but politically as the rise of fascism in Italy and uh, the Alberta premier. I'm not saying she's a fascist. I'm just saying, you know, it's all part of the same global soup. Doesn't it seem vaguely familiar? 
history. That's the problem is that you, you mentioned Hitler. And if that person who had called you out, so-called, uh, took a deep dive into how um, the banality of evil, as Hannah Arendt calls it, uh, you know, the origins of totalitarianism in her in her just wonderful writings about this in the 30s and 40s and talking about how we think evil is supposed to be this monster that appears on your doorstep. It isn't. It's banal. It's boring. It's grinding. But what we want is authoritarianism. We want people to be strong men who strong people who tell us, I follow me, the trains will run on time, I will give you order, forget freedom, you don't need it, you need order. Uh, and the other part of this, I think, well, there's two parts. One is that individualism is a disease now. There's a fantastic uh, look on Twitter for the Colombian president's uh, remarks at the United Nations Assembly, General Assembly. He rocked. He got he gets up there and he said, you people, basically North America and Western civilization, you people who come to my country and you take everything from us, you take the work from us, you take the resources from us, you take the lives from us so that you can pursue the leaf cocaine mm -hmm. so that you can numb yourself to the fact that you are completely addicted to consumption, that all that matters to you is to take and take and take. And this is a guy who's the president of Colombia talking to the General Assembly. And I loved it because extractive capitalism is diseased and unhealthy at this point in time. Capital of this, uh, Jason Hickel wrote a fabulous book, Less is More, um, Really, this is 500-year history of taking and privatizing everything. You can be walking on a beach in Ontario, and somebody can get come out the back door of their house and go, hey, that's my beach. That's a private beach. Get off. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? What mm -hmm. planet do you think we're on that mm -hmm. you own this? You'll be mm -hmm. dead in 14 years. Like, what are you talking about? But that's what we want. We, we believe that we should be competing with each other. What's that phrase you use? It, um this is just a minute ago. I, I want to just uh, extractive capitalism. Extractive capitalism. Yeah, that really is the difference between you know the sort of olden day times and the modern times. I think that's accelerated in a, at a rate that we've never seen before. Well, because we have better technologies to yes. extract. Yeah. So we take more and faster. We had better technologies to murder six million people and forty to sixty million people in 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 Europe. During World War II, because you now had a machine gun, which now we have anyone can buy in the United States, that can kill as many people as you'd like. So we're getting better at the technologies. But lately, I've been doing a lot of research on writing a, a different book about um, the fact that I believe the climate crisis is a spiritual crisis. We don't think anything around us is sacred. It's for our use. Mm -hmm. I'll even go after what you love, Howard. The golf course. What the hell is that? Mm -hmm. No, I got it. In my, yeah. in my city, I'm walking through. I'm walking through the Bruce Trail. There's mm -hmm. two 18-hole public golf courses where there should be parks for people. Instead, 85 white guys get to park their cars e hey, and go play golf. Easy now, sir. I will no, tell you all that. I tell you no, sir. Ralph, that and you know what? That is not fair. What you just said. Pesticide. No, but I'll take no, 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 no. What you said about white guys. Listen, I live in Brampton. I'll take you any golf course here. And I'll all, right, all right, all right, all right. No, and no, yeah. but but your point is well taken <clears throat> because at one time, you know, there were a few golf courses like there are soccer fields. <clears throat> 
There's, I, you know, and again, I. I'm Look not at just Phoenix. A, I, at I was going to say, yeah, it's a desert for God's sake, and yeah. you've got more golf courses per capita. I mean, than and they put the desert to good use then. And and, and, and listen, a smart, the water a, they need, a they smarter person than me right. would be able to argue that some of those lands are, you know, they they water mm. conservation, but generally, I get it that that's a lot of use for a very specific. Okay. It's a lot let's of land move, for a very specific use, right? So but let's you know move what? Should Alawa strike you down for these comments? <laughs> so let's, How dare let's you pass golf? Extractive capitalism comes from the idea, remember Descartes, right? I think, therefore, I am. He also believed that nothing has a soul but us. And everything, just like in Bible, man has dominion over everything, over nature. Dominion is not stewardship. It's dominion. It's ownership. Mm -hmm. And what the problem is, is that we do not see the world around us as sacred. We see it as, uh, what use is it to me? How do I make sure that I get what I want out of this? So us Mm -hmm. blowing the tops off mountains to get coal, you know, us doing whatever, diverting rivers, you know, uh, eating and consuming and storing and just all this stuff. And until we can stop our own addiction to this, we can't keep turning around to the southern part of the world that is suffering from climate change already and say, well, too bad. I've got air conditioning and heating. I don't really care what you've got. You know, we're whining about the inflation, you know, food inflation. There's another hilarious thing. Weston puts a sweater on, gets on TV and mm-hmm. tells people he's a swell guy from around the corner. He's doing you some good. And meanwhile, the, the record profits in a year that's supposed to be about inflation, and we keep taking it. Yeah. So as long as we don't, as long as we look at the world and go, boy, it's really screwed up. This is a really screwed up. And then just go out and do our thing. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get anywhere. It, that's probably our closest to connection to evil, isn't it? Through COVID, people made money on the back of that, claiming, you know, hardship through this and that. Meanwhile, bumping up prices. And this inflationary thing, too, I, I totally agree. There's just so many of those corporations, those companies, obviously a lot of the food companies thinking, oh, inflation's up 6%. Well, if we put this up 8 or 9%, I know. we can just claim that, uh, you know, and, and never, we're, we're, and never we're, a victim, we're a victim too. Huh? It, it never, and you never go back down. It's like house no. prices, right? So if everything is for profit, and there's no yes. sharing economy. Oh, you're a commie. I mean, the Americans mm-hmm. are out of their minds with this stuff. No, I know. You know? Yeah, the things but, they call socialism are just insane. Oh, my God. Well, but what is wrong with like, taxes? We have been fed since uh, Reagan, Thatcher, Mulroney. We've been fed. Taxes are very bad. We, we should not be having taxes. The happiest countries in the world have the highest tax rate because you don't have to freak out when you lose your job. You don't have to freak out if you get if you're a homeless person in Finland. They give you housing before anything. I don't care how addicted you are to anything. I, I need a roof over your head. And once we have that, we can start working together to get somewhere. But we're not mm-hmm. like that. We're competing with each other mm-hmm. and we pass moral judgment on people for not trying hard enough. Yeah. You know, not that we have a privilege by the pigment of skin that we're not trying hard enough. You know, I've said this to Fred and I've probably mentioned it to you that it's ironic isn't the word. It's sad, actually. It's sadly ironic that the people that support these tax cuts for the rich, the poor people in the Bamas and the Oklahomas and the Missouris, those people are the ones that are most affected by the fact that there isn't more social programs. You know, this Brett Favre thing, that story from... uh, 
uh, whatever uh, backwoods uh, state. Mississippi. Thank you. Like those people, you know, they're not getting the information that this football star basically fucked them out of, you know, uh, tens of millions of dollars that could have that were supposed to go to welfare. Yeah, but for that's, a volleyball team. For a volleyball team. In. But that's it's more than just the, the 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 details of the story. It's sort of the symbolic, the symbolism yeah. of that story. Yes, but we look, everything around you is telling you the opposite of what we're talking about. Every billboard when you leave your house today is going to tell you the good life is almost in reach. And everybody, uh, it, you know, I think it was Upton Sinclair, I can't remember who, who said, uh, there's no, in America, there's no such thing as a poor person. There's just a millionaire in waiting. That's right. Right. We have a, 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 a lottery kind of mentality about our lives that we might just strike it. We might just make it. And so get out of my way if you're not going to do that. It's, it's competition. But it's also, so what I was going to say about Descartes, Descartes said that every other relationship besides the human one who are at the top of the pyramid is mechanical it is not there's no spiritual aspect to it to prove his point he would dissect live animals for his students to show them that they were just having mechanical reactions to it including his wife's dog that he dissected and killed in front of them as it was howling and screaming said, those are just reactions. So if everything around you is inanimate, has no spirit, unlike what indigenous people believe, what paganism and and animism were about was everything has spirit, everything. So even in the Bible, the Christian Bible, Jesus said, cleave a piece of wood and I am there. Because that piece of wood used to be a deer that died in the forest, rotted, became fertilizer, created this, the seedling yeah. fell. And now you're reading a newspaper and that paper is alive with all the history of what went into it. So we don't see that. We, we just think, what use is that to me and what use are you to me? Right. right? By, by the way, Freddie, I was just thinking while you were talking uh Ralph, about that class where Descartes, you know, chopped uh, live animals and such. Can you imagine parents nowadays? They came, the kids came home and said, yeah, what you do in biology today? Well, our teacher killed his wife's dog while yeah. we watched. Well, they used to dissect frogs in class. I remember oh, yeah. that. Right? In grade eight. Sure. Uh, because what does it matter? Right? Look at the way we, we uh, the food we eat, the pigs, the chickens, the, the cows, look at the way they're treated. Free range, the, you know the guy who did uh, Super Size Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so he did a Super Size Me too. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's really yeah, Is that Morgan Spurlock? Is that who he yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. Spurl- yeah, and it's really clever because he decides to open a fast food chicken restaurant of his own. So he goes through the whole chain of how you get there. And free-range chickens means you open the barn doors of the black wa- dark warehouse and you create a fencing. I think it's around mm-hmm. six-foot diameter that if the chicken's can get to there and walk outside, which they won't because they've never seen sunlight. And they're so heavy because they're made to be eaten. Yeah, they're breast heavy. Yeah, and they break their legs if they walk too far. But there's that six feet where they could walk outside. That's when you see free-range egg, free-range chicken. That's a Mm. free-range chicken. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. We don't respect 
the relationships as sacred. We only think of how to use each other and use everything around us. So we're literally consuming. Don't worry about the nuclear threat. Worry about the fact that we are literally in the middle of a crisis and no one can handle the, okay. the information. I know. And that's like the $10 million. You're right. They can't handle the information. They don't have time to actually investigate or look into the information. What is the... Because I have this debate with friends the odd time. Like, what is the solution? How are we going to turn this around? Like, there's people think it's all it's up to the corporations. They're going to they're the ones that are going to have to change course. So Shell, Shell, I think it was Shell and BP, two two oil companies spent about one hundred million dollars each creating uh, a widget online for how you could find your carbon footprint. In mm-hmm. other words, it's your problem. So you yes. sit in your kitchen sorting g- blue box, green box, gray box. Uh, meanwhile, the people who make uh, non-recyclable materials all over the world, they get to keep making them. Nobody stops them. Mm-hmm. You, you know, a job's a job. Well, and that's up, it. Eh? Up and down the political spectrum in Canada, I would say uh, – the NDP, the Conservative, the Liberal, it doesn't matter in those uh, parties. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a job is a job. So well, is it, it, it's like a vicious circle, isn't it? Corporations aren't going to do anything. And the not government's unless you not, make them. That, well, yeah, but the, when the government doesn't want to lean on the corporations, because then jobs are at stake. And if those jobs are lost, then they're not going to get reelected. It just goes around in a circle. Yes. And, and, and the right says, get out of our way. Uh, mm-hmm. The answer to everything is business growth. Like, yes. you know, mm. I, I listen to the CBC and uh, there they are talking about, you know, it's been a good quarter growth of three mm. percent. We are past our limits of growth. We are past them. We are now taking a, that can't be replaced. And yet we have not figured out that that kind of a society is not sustainable. We haven't figured out that it, in California, for instance, they have environmental laws that we don't have. In Quebec, you have to, year after year, you have to have more electric vehicles on your lot if you're selling cars. So where are they selling the most cars? With a subsidy, by the way. Where are they selling the most cars? BC and Quebec. Because the governments there created the environment. What's Doug Ford doing? Business as usual. Put up a highway. He literally said, environmentally, about the highway, I'm going to build this highway so people don't have to get stuck in traffic jams and smell each other's fumes. Right. That's literally what he said. But so I, that's I, a, his level of understanding. I really think it comes down to what Fred just summed up there. It's this vicious cycle and circle of need versus want versus, you know, again, and it gets back to what I've said a bunch of times about governments in general, that there should be very specific limits for people serving, much like on a board where whereby um, they go in, they do good, and then they go back to their real lives versus the political mindset of I get in and then my job isn't to do good. It's to get elected again so I can continue to be in your power for the sake of power. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, power is the aphrodisiac in every business, in our business. It's the same thing, right? And then you see people abuse their powers because after a while, everyone just keeps excusing them. They'll get out of the way and let them do it. You You know know how many times oil companies uh, appear in front as lobbyists in uh, Ottawa uh, Mm -hmm. for the government? Six times a day. Six times a day there are meetings with oil companies. If you have the money, you have the influence. Right. Yes. And, you know, um, we've often mentioned this on the show. And again, we tend to look at the United States and we're so naive that it doesn't happen here. 
how somebody like can be in the Senate or a congressman make 175000 a year and then leave the job as a multimillionaire. Yeah, with $30 million. That goes on in Canada, yeah. too. Probably sure. not as widespread, but it happens. Brown, you know, brown envelopes stuffed with cash. You it don't happens. even need that. Yeah. It's when you get out, you mm-hmm. then become an influence peddler yourself. Right. You yeah. join the major lobbying companies in Ottawa and Toronto and Alberta. And mm-hmm. uh, there you go. You know, uh, everybody can let people working inside government end up leveraging their way out because, first of all, it doesn't pay very well government. Mm-hmm. It's not a well-paid job, but after you've done it, if you are on the winning side, you're laughing. But if you're not, you're really in trouble because everybody sees you as a partisan and you've just lost income. But it's so calculated. I'm sure with a lot of these guys, they get in and think, okay, I got to put in my six years at the shitty wage to them, 175. But look where it will lead me. That's where I want to be. One of those people. Well, and not only that, but you get a, uh, after six years, you get a sweet pension for the rest of your life. Only on the federal level. okay. provincial level, there's no Listen, we got to let you go. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, uh, I look forward. I saw your name on the schedule. I was like, I can't wait to talk to Ralph, and now I'm all bummed out. But, uh, no, I mean, you you bring a a level of uh, um, sanity, reality. Mm. You know, uh, everything would be fine if it wasn't for other people. Jean-Paul Sartre said that. Hell is other people. and uh, That's a horrible way to see it is. life. I know it is, mm-hmm. but it's true. No, it's not. That's true. We just get no, of, it's not. Is your daughter name. hell? Is your daughter? <laughs> not other all people? other people. Not yeah, all. Okay, here we go. All right. Other people's other people. I'll tell <laughs> you. <laughs> How dare you? I dare you bring my my daughter into this, you anti-Semite. Um, Ralph Ben Mergi, uh, what a joy, what a nachis, what a... Uh, we'll get to the Alberta Premier story. She's just in a nut job. The unvaccinated... Just another one along the way. The unvaccinated, the most discriminated against group. Are, are they? more The most discriminated against group. Uh, yeah. Ralph Ben Mergi, what would you like people to know? You got a podcast you're doing, the... Uh, I do several podcasts. I'm yes. not that kind of rabbi that I'm doing right now, uh, co-hosting with Alvin Rosen's wife for a while. We're having some fun. I also have one on the Canadian Jewish News's website called Yehopetzville about Jews yes. living in Moose Jaw. Which, I've, like which I've been on when I enjoy You've been on. Yes, and uh, uh, working on a one-man show of my book. Uh, I thought he was dead. Uh, are you fact, really? I, yes, I have a meeting today about that. And, and, uh, and uh, what do you see that as a sort of soft seat kind of uh, yeah, tour? Yeah. Yeah, multi really, multi uh, media, multi media. Love yeah, that you for know, you. Move things, you know. Studio, radio studio setup, TV kind of set. Love know, it. Just different things. You know, stand up. You know, I was going to say, there. Not that this is a model, but something you might want to look at as a just a, to get some inspiration mm-hmm. is this kid Hassan Minaj because when he does stand up, he's uh, was a. a Correspondent for the Daily Show, and he had a he had a thing on Netflix called Patriot Act. But his his latest, he's done two stand up specials, and and it's all it's very it's traditional it's sort of stand up y but with multimedia influence. I think you'd, you'd find it fascinating. Oh, that's great! I went and saw Mark Maron, by the way. How was that? You know what? He's funny. Yeah, he's very I, funny. I was sitting with Anton Leo, uh, my my brother in arms and comedy all. The and years. Anton's one of my brother's besties. Yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, we sat together and we know like we've had 30, 40 years of what's funny. He's funny. Yeah. He was really funny. Where, where was it, Ralph? You know where it was? A print, uh, Queen Elizabeth Theater. At yeah, it was CNA. part of JFL. I've seen some shows there. I have there. never been in there. Yeah, I've been how, there. Well, how many seats? Be 50, 
It must be 1500 Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and I just mm. thought, wow, this is a fantastic mm. venue. It is. And I'd never been in it. I uh, am. I am seated a show there for just for uh, JFL a few years ago, and it's a really cool space. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, very hidden secret. I, I. I. I couldn't even find it. I'm phoning Anton. Going, Where are you? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, isn't it like the exhibition grounds? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's near the uh, the stadium. The thing. It wasn't watch. It wasn't to watch him do a podcast, was it? It was no, no, no. no. He, okay. he literally came out, and the first thing he said was, "We're fucked." Yeah, <laughs> <Now, laughs> I, I, I listen. If anybody's to a, here for a good time. You, yeah, you, you're he's in the very. Wrong place. He, when it's funny you say that, he's funny. <laughs> he's been doing stand up a long time. Yeah, uh, he went long before he was Mark Maron, the podcaster. He's you know he's been he's part of a group of. Uh, you know, people that have been around a while. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised he was very funny. Thank you, Ralph Ben Mergy. Not that pleasure. kind of rabbi. What Ralph a pleasure. RalphBenMergy.ca. And um, listen, man, let's catch up again. And go check out Hassan's uh, stand-up. You'll get, a, you'll get some good inspiration from how he brings uh, video and pictures into his stand-up, into his presentation. I got to go see Toronto Mike because I'm doing uh, a little bit of music spinning with Mike. Today. Okay, man. Oh, cool. Yeah, very yeah. nice. All right, take care, guys. Kicking out the jam. Love being with you. It's lovely seeing you, and all the best for the new year, my friend. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ralph. Shana Tova. Shana all right. Tova. All right, my, see you guys. My Hebrew brother. Down, Ralph Ben Mergy, man. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I don't fucking know. See, he mentioned earlier authoritarians, right? Yeah. That movement now. You know, the the whole basis of that is forget about really freedom. All lead the way. That's right. Know. They buy. And yet their whole sales program is you're losing your freedom. I know. Like, it's bizarre. It and is people bizarre. People fucking actually go for it. It's. As I said yesterday, I saw about a uh, <clears throat> excuse me a five minute montage of people at different Trump rallies over the last week mm-hmm. or two, and and again, I I sort of feel sorry for them because they're being sucked in, thinking that this man is the political messiah, and I use that word because the devotion they feel toward him is messianic it's very that's why they say it's like being in a cult because their devotion to trump and trumpism and it's happening all over the world if for it's for precisely that reason is they want to give over Mm -hmm. the decision making to that that system yeah Yeah. because ultimately they feel scared and powerless Mm -hmm. in their lives and then where's your freedom then but you know so one upside, I'm not even an upside with Trump, but the way he's exposed others. Even look at Mitch McConnell now. Mitch McConnell, he almost like a death threat against Mitch McConnell and yeah. then a racist, a racist, you know, attack on his wife. And they asked Mitch McConnell about it this week. And he says, I'm not going to comment on that. No, only because he doesn't want to interfere with the midterms. He doesn't want to pick a fight with Donald Trump because it's not good for him politically. It's not good for his team. So what does that say about, like, we know Trump's a maniac and a mental case. What what does that say about Mitch McConnell? Like, integrity. So what would Trump, what would he, yeah, what would he have had to say for Mitch McConnell to comment on it? I threatened to kill the guy Mm -hmm. and made a racist comment about his Asian wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's switch gears now, because now it's time to look at the world through a different lens. Let me get that finished. Hang on a second. I got too many things to play at the same time. It's no good. If I had a mouse, this wouldn't happen. Let's uh, switch gears now. 
and talk to our good friend, Timothy uh, Aloysius Niblet. <clears throat> he is uh, the retirement Sherpa. I think his screen just froze. Oh, there he is. Fresh from, uh, you know, looking at the world and uh, looks like you got some uh, your you know, golf sweater on today. I'm uh, fresh from wishing I was out golfing like you guys yesterday. What a beautiful day that was. Yeah, yesterday was pretty sweet, man. Pretty sweet. So, um, and uh, today's, you know, uh, there's a special weather statement for this uh, evening into tomorrow. We're going to have some pretty uh, high winds and, and pretty tumultuous uh, tumultuous weather. But uh, today, Timmy, isn't going to be not bad. Are you? I can't remember. Are you playing today for final men's night? Absolutely. Thank you nice. for asking. Uh, I figure as the first ever crazy enough to be two-time captain at Glen Karen, I better show up for the last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's going to be great. Now, you know we're going off a little early today. Noon. Thank you very much. Okay. I do have a 10 o'clock, but uh, I'll be I'll be okay. I'll okay. get that finally grew swing all warmed <laughs> up and ready. Get it all oiled up. Get it ready oh, to go. Absolutely. Fantastic. Two, three practice swings. I'll be all set. So, uh, Freddie uh, and I and Dan were talking before the show, as we often do, and uh, Fred said something like, so have you guys looked at your portfolio? And I'm like, I saw the notice from uh, Raymond James, but I'm not looking at it. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. Uh, should we, before we talk about it, well, is now a good time to invest? I don't know. What's going on and, and you know, what's people's, uh, there's a pretty nervous, people are a bit nervous. Sure, and, and why wouldn't we be, right? I mean, we're not real big students of history. We're uh, kind of, you know, prisoners of recency. And, and so this year hasn't been good so far. Uh, you know, time to pull out my salt went down in uh, value in the year 1332, right? So... It's been going on forever. It's not the fun part of the process. Trust me, advisors don't enjoy this part either. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if we do our job right, we can really add a lot of value to people, both emotionally and uh, and financially as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the upside, plenty of uh, good companies are on sale right now. So maybe it's a time for some people, if you can, to get in. Absolutely right. It's always fascinating, right, that uh, I- I've often said over the 30 years I've had the joy of uh, this profession that, you know, money's really the only thing we don't want more of when it's on sale, right? If <laughs> gas was a buck 20 a liter, we'd be lined up all around to go get it. But uh, maybe a bad example, given what you guys were talking about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if the companies that manufacture it are, are down 20, 30 percent off of their their mm-hmm. high, you know, we don't want to touch it or a, or a retailer or whatever business it is. You you would buy their products on sale, uh, but most people wouldn't see the opportunity in buying the company itself on sale. Mm-hmm. You put here, you know, we were talking about this earlier, too. Many experts feel pessimism is higher than it should be. And we were talking about this earlier, again, through social media and where a lot of people get their information. It's good business for some to predict uh, predict uh, doom and gloom right now because it hurts other people politically, whether it's true or not. And again, we always look at the states and I'm just the doom and gloom that's coming out of some areas down there because they just think it's going to hurt the Democrats. 
leading up to the midterms. So it's not even true, and it's over the top, and it's they're pulling stuff out of their ass. But again, that filters down to the people, and everybody gets freaked out. So is this what you mean by that? Pessimism is is higher than it should be. Yeah, it's definitely part of it, right? I mean, uh, this year specifically, you know, we, our three biggest concerns have been the inflation and the interest rates mm-hmm. go along with it. Uh, the war, which, of course, is horrible. Thankfully, not that bad on the economy, more so in Europe. Uh, and, and then just continuation of COVID. And uh, the market has been so pessimistic on all of those things, expecting every one of them to have the worst case possible scenario evolve uh we saw it uh last week i think it was right monday and tuesday when there was uh briefly some positive expectations about where interest rates were going the markets went up five percent in two days so uh and that, and that's why you want to stay fully invested you want to be patient you want to match your investments to your term but once uh as as layer by layer of pessimism kind of gets peeled away there'll be lots of good uh Good stuff happening. And as far as pessimism goes, and you know, you've taught us this that the stock market isn't the economy. And so some of that pessimism is obviously to do with what you hear and what Fred said to me this morning about, you know, oh, the, the Dow or whatever, the markets took a 400 point hit. Uh, let's close off by talking about RSPs versus TFSAs and why, if you are going to make some purchases, where should you put those? Right. So. I mean, for TFSAs, now the room doesn't disappear, but, you know, it is a calendar year uh, thing for having new uh, TFSA rooms. So we're getting towards the end of that. Uh, RSPs, of course, we got till the end of February, but uh, both of them, it's better to really eat the elephant one bite at a time and and put it uh, in on a monthly basis. That's how most people find success doing that sort of thing. Uh, Take advantage of dollar cost averaging, obviously, and uh, it kind of forces you to buy when the sales are on, too. So, um, And and which one's better? Uh, Of course, Howard, depends on what what your plan is. I mean, one thing you want to make sure is that every penny of future income in retirement isn't all in an RSP, right? Mm-hmm. The tax break's great and, and you know, might still be the best place to go, but you, you really want to have um, a diversification of future income sources. And, of course, the best time to uh, think of that is like planting the tree, right, 20 years ago or, or uh-huh. today. Well, listen, man. Um, a couple of great perspectives this morning from uh, Rabbi Ralph and, of course, the uh, retirement Sherper, Sherper <laughs> the professor. Um, I look forward to seeing you in person, as always, and uh, great having a chance to chat with you today. As do I you. Have I got 12 seconds for one last little pointer? Yes, uh, of course. Uh, just given what we're talking about. So in the last uh, 20 years, uh, we've had a couple of down... Uh, uh, years, uh, I, I'm, I'm using the S&P standard and poor 500 in states, which is kind of the most broad-based one. So 08 was a negative one. 09 was up 26%. Uh, 2018 was negative. 19 was up 31%. So, wow. I, I mean, it's not that linear, but if over the last 25 years that index is average 11% uh, and we're down appreciably this year, History would tell you that optimism should be 
jumping in with the pessimism a little bit sure. there. And we're so, no, you know, and, and we forget those because we're so, uh, as Ralph said, we're so just consumed with us and our own, you know, day-to-day lives. You forget that, you know, by this time next year, we could be having record profits or a couple years, but we're not a society anymore of delayed gratification. Listen, the stock market explosion during COVID tells you all you need to know about unpredictability and how things can go. Exactly. At least expected. Tim.nibblet at RaymondJames.ca. Get some good advice uh, in your corner. Uh, we highly recommend this gentleman for all his uh, sage uh, wisdom. And thank you, sir. My pleasure as always, guys. Enjoy and profit. There you go. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Timmy. According to the World Index, the best places to live in North America... And there's a, you know, like a 20-city index. Mm-hmm. Number one, Calgary. Number two, Vancouver. Number three, Toronto. Number four, Montreal. Really? Yeah. Wow. No, I know. And then you know what the first American city as one no. of the best places to live in North America? What would you guess? American cities uh, to live in the uh, U.S. <sighs> it surprised me. I know. It's going to surprise you. New York? Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Atlanta is number five. New York is number 21. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I believe this. Whose list is this? It's the World Index. It's this thing oh. I follow on Twitter. But, um, you know, they've got uh, Chicago ahead of New York. The uh, Honolulu is the seventh. I don't know about that. I think I'd rather live in Honolulu than, you know, Atlanta. Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd throw it at you a little. Um, and there's different criterias for those lists and everything. But I, you know, I can I had this conversation with my kids on Thanksgiving Day. It's, you know, it's tough. Kids see prices and, you know, the price of homes and interest rates going up. And sometimes they not that they feel hopeless. It's like, how do you ever how are we ever going to get ahead? And yeah. what's happening to Toronto? What's happening to Canada? And. Not that it makes them feel any better, but I, I said, you know, Toronto's just catching up with the rest of the world as a major city. Like, what's happening in Toronto as far as real estate and cost of living and, you know, that's Rome years ago. That's London years ago. That's, yeah. you know, we're just, and again, not to make you feel any better, but just don't think this is unique. This is just the way it is. No, absolutely. And, um yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, even Western Canada, even Vancouver has experienced uh, uh, real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, prices that we didn't we didn't see those here. We're going to see them now, but um, what do you mean? Well, I'm just saying, like, the, in terms of how expensive it is to oh. live in some place, Vancouver has been mm-hmm. way more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, let's talk a little bit about the uh, chamber plan, shall we not? That's, yeah, Brett Tanner was on yesterday, yes, very exactly. informative. He laid it all out on uh, how wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. I'm going to say wonderful. Say it. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan is and how it works for small companies, one to 100 employees, the way they've done a great job of keeping premiums down, how innovative they are, how progressive they are, introducing new products within it to help those who subscribe. And you can subscribe. Oh, yes, you can. If you have a small business, go to chamberplan.ca today. You can get a free quote. Read the testimonials from all the small companies that have become part of this and how it's worked for their companies. It's a great thing to do. You know, it's stable. They've been around for uh, 
40 years, 30,000 Canadian businesses are, doing, um, are part of it, uh, and it's the smart thing to do for your employees. goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. To have a benefits package that works for them. It's the Chambers Plan, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. It's funny when people say that phrase, it goes without saying. Goes. But yet, but, but yet they, say, they it. say it. But it's what... It, it follows something that you've said, so... Uh-huh. Really, if it went without saying, why did you say it in the first place? Why say it at all? Uh, you know, we've, you talked about uh, Bodog, but I'd also like to offer, you know, for people that missed it, I'd like to offer this important message. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. I always learn a lot when Ralph's here. I, this is a phrase, extractive capitalism. I love that phrase. You know, I was just going to bring up Ralph uh, as well when, you know, he said, you know, nuclear, you know, war, uh, Armageddon is number two compared to the way we're just destroying the planet. Basically, that's what he said, right? That should be our priority. Did he not say that more or less? Yeah. But see, the plan, that's, to me, that's death by a thousand cuts. What's been obsessing me lately, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, somewhat obsessing me. And again, I thought the other day, looking at my grandchildren here during Thanksgiving, what if all of a sudden a bulletin comes that a nuclear weapon has been deployed on Ukraine. Yeah. Just think that immediate fear that will go through us all. Mm-hmm. That's imminent. Like, that's now. Again, not to take away from the environment and everything, but you know what I mean? That's a slow, sickening process. But just how would you feel? You're driving to the golf course today, and a nuclear weapon has been deployed over there. Immediately, we're going to be thinking, okay, what's the next step? And then the next step. And how is that going to affect us? And what's going to do that? What's that going to do to our world today? And that's, uh, I just want this Putin prick dead. Fuck. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I've thought about that. Like, you know, especially with the rhetor- rhetoric mm-hmm. um, getting increasing. Uh, the, the problem with uh, a limited nuclear whatever like you know they were they were making this comparison recently to the cuban missile crisis right and how you know scary that was but uh, but the problem was uh, maybe it was a blessing that no one knew of like we didn't know the minutiae of it day to day it was just what we read in the newspapers but uh i don't know what we do i I mean i would i guess i don't know if i was on my way to the golf course would i still play i don't know if i was on the golf course would i continue if i had had a good round going would i anyway because you know as Biden said, you know, and he was criticized for using the word Armageddon and maybe he went too far and freaked people out. But that's how it works, man. Yep. You know, they let one off and then there's a reply and then there's a reply to that and then there's a reply to that and on and on and on. And yeah. And not only that, but so you unleash a nuclear weapon on Ukraine, yet you want to take Ukraine o- over. How useless is Ukraine now for how many years based on the fact that a nuclear weapon was 
used. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I, like, I, I, here's, the, here's the hope that I have. I because of, I just hope because of and full circle now because of social media, because of the connectivity of the planet. I just can't imagine that there's a, a there's not going to be an uprising in Russia because they can't be completely fooled by what's going on in the Ukraine. There's just too much back and forth. It's one of the reasons this, we haven't Mm -hmm. even talked about what's going on in Iran. One of the reasons they shut down the internet Mm -hmm. is so that people can't communicate with one another anymore Mm -hmm. and and organize. Right. But they haven't Mm -hmm. done that in Russia. It's why they're restricted in totality. It's why it's always, information is always suppressed Mm -hmm. because information gives the average person some power. But in Russia, what I hold out hope is that, and again, it could be naive, but I hold out hope that enough of the people will rise up and say, we don't want to be part of this. You know, they say that in Nazi Germany, not enough mm-hmm. people knew what, were, what was going mm-hmm. on in those camps. But people know now. People know what's going on. And, and, and when enough of them, because there's already people pushing back in Russia, and that gives me some... I hold out some, you know, hope that that is what overwhelms this, not the other way. No, you just have to worry what he could do between now and then. And you just may be on the inside. You know, one day we're going to get word that somebody, you know, within his inner circle put a gun to his head because it was just too much. Because there's got to be people within, you know, if he's lost his mind and that seems to be the general consensus, there's something seriously wrong with him mentally. You know, those around him are thinking, I don't want this for my grandchildren or my children. Yeah. We've got to put an end to this. And, 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 and you know, my mother-in-law, who's about to turn 89, said, sitting on the couch, there are already two people who need to die. Trump and that Putin. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> she said to me. Um, you know, let's end on a uh, fun note today, because it's been pretty heavy at times. Mm. But let's, uh, here's something I picked out. I, and, you know, I, Freddie and I aren't really, uh, like, you know, big Simpsons fans. I mean, I've watched it. I'm not, it's 34 years. And, you know, I, I will say this about The Simpsons. Simpsons. Anytime I've seen an episode, I've found it funny and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But never really a huge Simpsons fan. And don't make a point of watching it. But this is an interesting clip uh, from a recent episode. Um, and it's, you know, the uh, movie uh, Field of Dreams and mm-hmm. Homer has built a uh, football field in a field and mm-hmm. he and Marge are talking about uh, this. And I think you'll find this amusing. Let me get this straight. You mowed down all that corn to build a football field, hoping it would lure the ghosts of former players down from football heaven. <laughs> uh-huh. And look... I don't recognize any of these guys. Why are there two 50-yard lines? Aw, damn it! I built a Canadian field! (laughs) Oh, sorry, Hoser. Hi, Valley. Hey, Hey, nice rouge there, Gordo. Hey, Homer. Throw you a Hail Mary? Shut up, Flutie. (laughs) 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 Isn't that great? (laughs) I love that. Nice one, Gordo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, nice rouge. It's great. Speaking of not watching things, Angela Lansbury died yes. yesterday at 90-whatever. 96. I never, ever watched one episode of Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, ever. me neither. 
like like not one second of one episode and it was on for what 12 years or something yes like it was uh, a yeah. smash hit but never never did uh you know what you you know it's funny because i'd forgotten about this mm-hmm. um let me just make sure i get the right one angela Land, lansbury um your grandkids and my kids Mm-hmm. Definitely know her from this song. I don't know if you're... I'm sure your kiddies have seen this animated movie. But this is Angela Lansbury. And uh, she was the voice of... Uh, I think she was the teapot or something in uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, the Disney oh, okay. film. And he, she sings this. Taylor's oldest time. That's Angela Lansbury. As it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly Just a little change Isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to I, I don't know I went down one of those uh, Rabbit holes You go mm-hmm. through Angela Lansbury Then I got taken Into this YouTube video of her on stage at 91. So this, she recorded what we're listening to now like 20 years ago when the uh, movie mm-hmm. came out. And, and a few years ago at 91, five years ago, she was on stage just her and a piano singing this song. Mm. And you know what? With all, its, all the you know, terrible shit in the world, it's pretty neat to go and see this older woman uh, belt this song out. And, and it's just very, very sweet. That's what I was going to say. She doesn't have to worry about a nuclear uh, incident. No. No? No, she does not. She's passed. And she doesn't have to worry about TFAs for TFSAs versus RSPs. No. Oh, yeah. No. But uh, 91's a good run. Rising in the I thought it Didn't you say 96? No, I'm sorry. 90, uh, 96 a good run. Yeah. Yeah, 96. Sorry, I was doing something else at the same time. Uh you know who the voice of the uh, Beast was? I forgot him. Jerry Orbach. Remember that Jerry Orbach was the dad in Dirty Dancing? He was on a crime oh, yeah. show mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Uh, thanks to uh, Ralph Ben Mergie. Thanks to uh, Tim Niblett, of course. And thanks to you for uh, hanging out with us today. We certainly appreciate it. Um, tomorrow, uh, it's just us and your emails. If you want to write about anything you've heard on the show humble and fred at humble and fred radio.com what did you want to say there sir did you get that thing i sent you from dan is that i'm about to play right now okay all right here we go this episode of humble and fred was brought to you by bodog the retirement sherpa the chambers plan GoDaddy, and health gauge you can email us humble and fred at humble and fred radio.com and on whatever platform you're listening help us out by you know liking subscribing giving us all the stars and stuff Tell your friends, too. Even your mom. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, no matter where I am, I'm here for you. I'm Dan Duran, and I approve this meme. Where's that?